0: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shot blocked! Porzingis with his fourth projection. Clemmie ladies for three. Easily lines up. Milikina. What he does is contagious. He comes in, And across the lane. Baker launches it. Jack to Porzingis. Fires up the ball. Welcome, everybody, to On Knicks, the podcast that's in the 99th percentile of explaining, complaining, and entertaining. <laughs> I'm your host, James Bacita, a.k.a. Get over here and give me a hug, McDermott. You. May know me as the founder of NBA Injury Report on Twitter, and this is episode 304. Mm. On today's show, we're joined by the wonderful—I <coughs> oh, mean it, even though I coughed—that wasn't like a sarcastic cough—by the wonderful Joe Flynn, head honcho over at Toasting and Toasting. You may know him from the David Fisdale Instant Reaction Pod from when he was hired. I know him from being a wonderful human being. He is joining me to hand out report cards for two Knicks, past and present. Damian Dotson and Doug McDermott. Rest in peace. Once a Nick, always a Nick. It's going to be fun. Just a reminder, we are now on our summer schedule, which means we will be coming to you twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. For those of you who asked about my cat... Thank you very much. It was scary. I thought he was going to die for a little bit. He spent the night. I like saying that in an announcer voice. I thought he was going to die for a little bit. He spent the night in the hospital Friday night. But he is on the road to recovery. He's doing a lot better. I was very upset. I'm still a little bit worried. But it seems like he's pulling out of it. And I do appreciate the outpouring of love and support. Alright, enough of that wussy shit we're men we don't have feelings (laughs) just kidding i'm just kidding we're super woke here don't you know that all right let's start the show hit it marv yes all right joe first of all welcome to the show how are you i'm pretty good how about you i'm doing all right hanging in there um we're here today to hand out report cards for damian dotson and doug mcdermott some of these players are still on the knicks some are not Stay tuned to find out which ones are gone. (laughs) Um, But here on Locked on Knicks, you know, who we care the most about, just the deepest about, yeah, the listeners, but our sponsors. And we want to make sure that, you know, they just get, like, their absolute every penny of their money's worth. So we want people to stick around and listen to the whole episode. I don't know why they wouldn't anyway, but to entice them, Joe, who do you think... We should review last. Like, who's the more interesting person to talk about here? Oh, Dotson's obviously the most Okay. interesting person. The guy who's on the Knicks, still. Yeah,
1: the guy who's on the
0: Knicks. Okay, that's fair. That's Not the guy who's not on the Knicks. I don't know if I agree with you, but I agree your logic is sound. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the parlance of any great basketball debate, I will admit that the logic is sound. So let's start <laughs> with Doug McDermott. He played 55 games for the Knicks, 21 minutes per game. Why don't we start with something positive about Doug's season? Do you have anything positive to say about Doug this year, Joe?
1: Yeah. Um, his uh, his true shooting percentage was one of the highest on the team. His three-point percentage was one of the highest on the team. A team not exactly known for their three-point shooting. I didn't realize how – I knew they didn't shoot threes. I didn't realize how bad they were at shooting threes. They were 27th in three-point percentage. And um, so he was his it was 387, I believe. So 38, not 387,
0: 38.7%. So right. um, I rounded up to 39 because I'm generous, yeah. which is 73rd percentile for wings, believe it or not, people. And this is actually, I'm glad you kind of brought this up right off the bat because I think this is one of the, More, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but like sad things about last season. This was a team that famously struggled to shoot three point shots. That shot a lot of three point, uh, shot a lot of long mid range shots. And some people, while defending Jeff Hornacek, who is indefensible, (laughs) argued, "Well, the Knicks just don't have the personnel." And Doug McDermott is one of the people who you could counteract with. Well, this guy's a wing. He's shooting 39% from three. That's a uh, 73rd percentile, four wings. And the dude is only shooting, do you want to guess how many three-point attempts he had per game?
1: Well, I don't have to guess because I can see it here. Yeah,
0: you're looking um, at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll guess 2.5. That is correct. Yes. Um, so, like, you know, the Knicks desperately need three-pointers. This guy's shooting at a good clip, shooting a pretty low two-and-a-half per game. And yeah, that
1: was uh, sixth on the team. Yeah. Um, and pretty much everyone in front of him is a regular, except uh, Luke Cornett, who, wow, he shot a lot of threes. <laughs> good, for him. good for him. Slightly below average, but uh, he shot them. He got them threes up. Good yeah. for
0: him. No, no, totally. But, I mean, this is like, I'm I'm going to take the liberty of firing Hornacek once again on this episode. For yeah. only And, like, something else that I thought he was good at... Um, I thought he was a solid cutter. Like I thought he was decent off-ball on offense. I thought he was active. Yeah. Um, he had that good chemistry with Kyle O'Quinn on the backdoor cut. Yeah. And, and that play worked over and over again, and I'm glad that they went to it. But, like, they couldn't find a more creative way to try to spring him. Someone who is not just someone who parks in the corner, but is comfortable moving without the ball. They couldn't spring him for more than two-and-a-half, three-point attempts per game. Like, that, to me, was a problem. Well, you know... They gotta,
1: they gotta get the mid-range shots off. So, what, was, what is it? What was he so famous for saying? Like, you know, if you're, if you're making more than four out of ten, it's you know, it's a good thing, or, or it's it's not bad. But they were actually making four out of ten, so it was bad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can't even. There's an episode where I go over that Vorkanoff piece from the Athletic yeah. with all the good quotes, and I highly recommend people go back and listen to because I savage sec for like 30 minutes in that one. But, yeah, that's basically it. He didn't have any handle on what the percentages should be or were or how to explain himself there. But it wasn't all peaches and cream. I don't know who I am that I would say that for Doug McDermott last year. Of course there were some negatives too, and there may be some more positives. But let's uh, spit out something negative about Dougie McBuckets. Do you have anything, Joe?
1: Um doesn't really pass or rebound or um, yes. do much. I mean, he doesn't do much of – he had a weird – I don't know if this was – he had a weird stretch where he just like I – was, I was surprised his three-point shooting was that high because there was like a weird stretch where he like didn't make a three for like a bunch of games and was shooting horribly.
0: which um, shows you how well he
1: was when he uh, was shooting well.
0: No, it's, it's funny you say that because I had the same exact, when I was first, before I started looking at stats and stuff, uh, something I like to do when I'm doing these kind end of end-of-year report cards is just kind of like think back, use the old brain meat, and be like, what did I think about these people before I start, you know, just pouring through stats? And I was like, one of the negatives was not a great three-point percentage with a question mark, and then I looked it up, I was like, oh, it's at 39, because um, I know he was a lot better in Dallas where his minutes were like a little bit more consistent, I thought that was part of the problem for him. Could like be. Anyone's minutes are going to jump around a little bit, but he his seemed especially not tied to his performance. I could be, like, being yeah. He also to Jeff had, here, if I but, remember
1: correctly, a kind of a weird home road split with his yes, shooting, where he like did. he
0: shot much better on the road. That's a good call. But circling back to what you first said, when I asked you for a negative, um, I agree. He's not the most versatile guy. Like, if you looked, he didn't give you any steals. He didn't give you any blocks. He didn't give you any assists. Um, but when the ball left his hands on the way to the basket. It was a good thing i mean he he was just efficient offensively like that's the the counterpoint to when the knicks struggled so much on offense this year he's someone who like they probably could have used a little bit more um he actually with the knicks he had 1.14 points per shot attempt so every time it's going up he scored 1.14 points and that's 78th percentile for a wing not tremendous but like pretty good yeah that's
1: that's solid um I guess one of the problems with the Knicks is they didn't realize that they were that their offense was bad. So again, you know, it goes back to coaching.
0: So yeah, and he um, one last positive that I had, he was he showed a surprising amount of like just kind of like straight ahead athleticism. Like he had a couple of explosive dunks.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he brought the house down,
0: especially off those uh, backdoor those backdoor cuts. Yes, and he had a couple that were sort of ferocious, semi-ferocious, I dare say. Um, yeah. He was average finishing at the rim overall, but he did have some power there, and he was actually really good at finishing through contact. He made 37% of the shots he was fouled on, which was 94th percentile mm-hmm. for a wing. And I like to trumpet that stat because it's and one percentage, and I feel like that needs to be more in our parlance. We need to be yeah. talking about and one percentages.
1: Oh, I thought of a, I thought of a negative. Uh, he was, his, the trade of him brought Emmanuel Moutier to the mix. So
0: <laughs> well, so let's, I mean, let's talk about that. That was one of the things I had on this you know, year-end report card uh, I wanted to get into. Do you think at the time it was a bad idea, and then do you think in retrospect it worked? Because those are two different questions, I oh, think.
1: At the time, it was a good idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think that logic made sense?
1: Because, you know, Moutier was more, kind of more highly sought after athlete, um, a little bit younger, and not a little bit younger, he's
0: Fair couple, amount. McDermott's yeah. 26, I believe, right yeah, now? Yeah, so I think he's like
1: five years, Moody is like 21, 22, so.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, four or five years younger, and, you know, it's that point guard, which the Knicks needed, um. It has nothing to do with McDermott so much as Moutier. Um in, in, in retrospect, they started – they jumped Moutier, Moutier over Frank for – not based on performance at all and right. really just maybe helped them in the tank. You know, maybe they're drafting ninth instead of tenth because of Moutier starting so many games. But.
0: The one variable is Jeff being a coach that I don't trust. Um, but let's say you did like halfway trust the coach – what they did with him to me suggests that they were very skeptical and wanted to get as much info as possible as soon as possible and not like waste too much time. Like if they really believed yeah. in him, they could have slow played it more, right?
1: Yeah, you know, that's what. Um, uh, well, part of me and I, I see it in the newspapers a lot. Is part of me is like sources say that they don't believe in Frank as a as a true point guard. And if if that's true, it annoys the hell out of me because. When did you actually play him as a true point guard? Right. So you don't – you didn't even give him a chance really. Um, so
0: that would be very annoying to me and um, – I That to me there... reads so much – just like while you bring that up, that to me reads so much of kind of national guys who don't follow the Knicks super closely just kind of like not really getting the nuance of what happened last season because – that's not my read at all. I really don't think that they have just decided... Like, I see the things that he struggles with, but none of them are so egregious that you think that he can't pull it together, especially given how fucking young he is. Like, yeah. I just... That, well, my own you know, personal... Without
1: not just from them, it's from the New York reporters, too. They're just, like, sources within the Knicks say... Uh, what was it, Scott... Apparently Steve Mills is higher on him than Scott Perry and stuff like that. Right. And... Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's why I'm I'm looking forward to summer league and maybe even preseason next year to see what they're doing. But I don't worry about the draft whether they draft somebody because uh, to me that they should be they're going to pick the best player they think. Yeah, but I'm going. I want to wanna see. I want to see if he's if if it comes to preseason next year and he's starting out ahead of Moutier with a new coach, then okay. I mean, he should. If it's Moutier starting in front of him, then based on what I saw last year, that's not like that shouldn't be happening. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I'm uh, I'm preparing at some point in the near future to record the Ultimate Ratio podcast where I make the case for Trey Young. I know people. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blow my load just yet, earmuffs. muffs. But um, I think if he's around, it's it could, you can make an, a case for it being a fantastic pick. But anyway, oh yeah, yeah.
1: But I, I mean, there's no chance that there, he's going to be around. I don't high. think this he's going to be, but
0: I don't know. This is such a weird draft. There's like so many different types of players that are touted to go high. I know it's like the you know the the narrative is that it's all big men or whatever. But even within them, there's different kinds of big men, just like oh. defense first, offense. I don't know. First. Could
1: you see the the Magic need a point guard. Could you see the Magic passing on them? Could you? They have like a million bigs, yeah. and uh, could you see the Cavs? Because uh, yeah, they don't know what defense is, so could you see them passing on Trey
0: Young? I, don't, yeah. I couldn't see. And GM there. LeBron loves tiny successful college point guards. That's true. He does. He does. Um, I think that Young has done way more than Shabazz Napier did, <laughs> so I'm not really comparing them as prospects, but. Shallowly, uh, they're they're similar as far as GM LeBron goes. To to kind of wrap up Doug McDermott's I don't have any more positives. A couple like rounding out the negative of him not being very versatile, his defensive rebounding was poor for a wing. I don't even really care about offensive rebounding, but defensive rebounding he was thirtieth percentile. And I don't know, what did you make of his defense? I thought that he was an okay one on one defender and then I thought it's that It's really
1: yeah. It's hard to it's hard to watch people in the context of the Knicks because you don't really know what they're sh- what they're supposed to be doing yeah as a team but uh I mean he was okay he was in the more he was in the right place a few times which I can't say about <laughs> all their defenders
0: so I think as far as like team defense goes there were some nights where he looked super engaged and locked in and was making all the right reads and rotations um and stunting well and recovering and all that and then there were days where he seemed lost and I don't know if it was because of who he was playing with with weird different lineups and being you know on the court with people like Beasley frequently or if he just was sort of like realized he wasn't part of their plans and kind of drifted in and out. But he seemed to come and go there. But I think he's a capable team defender when he wants to be.
1: Yeah, he seems like a guy who could be a rotation player for a decent team.
0: So that's what I think. I, I, I think like... I think he's a solid, like, winning rotational player. Like, when I look at him playing with the Knicks' actually good players last year, he had 837 possessions with Chris Staps, and that lineup was a plus 1.1 on a bad yeah. Knicks team. That doesn't say everything, but this kind of supports my eye test, which I think he does enough good things and is efficient enough on offense and not, like, a screaming tire fire on defense. Um, him and KP and Frank were actually plus 5.7 when they were on the court hey. together. And that was four hundred twenty five possessions. So not a lot, but they had a one oh four offensive rating and a ninety eight point three defensive rating, which is ninety eighth percentile. So I mean Yeah,
1: well Chris Debson, and Frank plus everyone, I think, was yes. very was very like low defensive rating. And low is good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, one one last shot at Hornacek. One lineup that I kind of wanted to see all season and never really did was Frank Lee Tim, Doug, and KP. A little bit of a small lineup. But they played 25 whole possessions together. I was actually shocked that this happened. Because um, it made too much sense. And I tweeted this out. They were plus 89.7 in their net rating. <laughs> a truly sustainable Dominance. number. you know. Dominance. Yeah. Dominance. So, if we're grading Doug McDermott, rest in peace, once a Nick, always a Nick. What do you grade him? Ah, C+. Plus. B minus. Did you say C plus A minus? B minus, okay. I like that slash line. Yeah, like a D plus, A plus kind of range.
1: Yeah, somewhere between one of the letters.
0: (laughs) Two of the letters. I gave him a solid B minus. um, Because it did. I will say that three point percentage was. It came and went throughout the season. I guess in the end, it was okay. But that's like his main selling point, and it wasn't quite. He. Like situationally, I feel like he led the Knicks in like back-breaking open three-point misses that like they just yeah. needed to get over the hump. You know,
1: well, he he definitely led, or he was his ratio of a three-point misses that made the Garden crowd go oh, <laughs> right
0: <laughs> it was very high, way more of those than the yes, fucking yeah. You know, <sighs> okay, I think that's good. I think we're good. He's not in the Knicks next year, so we're not even going to talk about it. I mean, they could extend him, the Mavericks, they could extend him a qualifying offer and make him a restricted free agent, but I don't think the Knicks are going to be He's like a luxury at this point for the Knicks. 26-year-old, like, solid, okay player. They're still so far away that that kind of roster spot you want someone with more upside, I would think. But, All right. Older he's older than Trey
1: Burke. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I know
0: That's he funny. seems perennially young. He's got kind of a baby face.
1: Yeah. Well, it's cuz he was, you know, he was drafted as a senior,
0: I think, so those guys kind of throw you. <clears throat> oh, yeah, true. Good point. Time to move on to Damian Dotson, but before we do, just want to remind everyone listening that you are listening to Lactonix, part of the Lockdown podcast network. If you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and rate us five stars. Damian Dotson.
1: Yeah. Speaking of guys whose age is because he was a four-year guy or five-year guy, he's 23. Mm -hmm. So he's,
0: like, older than you would expect. Yes. Um, People talk about Macau Bridges not being able to improve his game because he's 21. So those same people, if you're listening. I don't tend to agree with that, but... You might apply. It is that a, logic a weird. It is a document. pretty
1: weird uh, statement to make. Wasn't I mean, uh, God? Wasn't Jimmy? Didn't Jimmy Butler come out later? Like I don't think he he didn't come out as a freshman, did he? Because I don't he think was, so. Because he was a number thirty pick, I thought he was like a
0: upperclassman. I'm gonna look this up right now. Jimmy Butler college stats because it's gonna take me a second. I just want to give it. Yeah, the goal. he was
1: his freshman year. His I mean his rookie year. He was 22.
0: Yeah so. he he was a three year player. And Marquette. So again. I forgot that he played Marquette. He's... I feel like it's only Dwayne Wade came from Marquette. No one else is allowed to no, come from there. No, Steve Novak. Shut up, man. <laughs> Steve
1: Novak. <laughs> Took him to the final four single handedly.
0: Hey, sometimes I need to be checked, just like anyone else. Yeah, I, I know. apologize. I apologize. I apologize to everybody listening. No. Steve Novak, I feel like, was the original he was the OG, <clears> like, oh man, we can't play this guy in the playoffs. Can't play Canner. Like yeah, <laughs> That 2012 13 season. He was part of a lot of magical regular season games, not so much in the playoffs. But anyway, Damian Dotson. He played 44. Oh, but that games.
1: was, uh, if I may say, the uh, the the most beautiful thing of that was trading when they traded Bargnani for uh, for Steve Novak. Um, everyone, everyone who came out of the woodwork and was like, "Yeah, but you can't play Novak in the playoffs." You know, you get
0: Barniani for the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey. Such a
0: terrible trade. Somehow he had the balls to go at Kevin Garnett that one game. And yeah, that was funny. You know what I but mean? I
1: just, that was the best. I mean, I, it was such a terrible trade, set the Knicks back
0: years. But <laughs> you
1: get him for the
0: playoffs. Oh and They haven't God. been to the playoffs in five years. Yeah, you rest him all season, you just dust him off for the playoffs. <laughs> he's like Iso and, Joe. He's the, he's the Italian Iso Joe. Oh, yeah. man. Okay, Damian Dotson. Let's give him his due. One of the uh, up-and-comers on the Knicks. He played 44 games, 10.8 minutes per game. He played a lot in the G League. I'll give him that, unlike Billy Hernan Gomez. He went down there, played some minutes there, so did some development there. Let's start by saying something positive about young D-Dot. What do you say, Joe? Um,
1: oh, I could say a few positive things about him. Yeah, His defensive rebounding for a guard. Yes. Very good. Very almost elite, I would say. He actually his defensive rebounding percentage is not far away from Kristaps on the Knicks. He
0: Uh, and Luke Gordon. Yeah, I have that number. It's actually fifteen percent of missed shots. And interestingly enough, I believe cleaning the glass has him as a wing. Oh, yeah.
1: That's funny because Jeff Hornacek like specifically would not play him at forward. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um
1: until, until the eightieth game of the season. And he played some climbing. four, right?
0: What? Didn't he play some four in
1: one game? And against the Miami Heat, the third I think it was the third to last game of the season.
0: Oh, was that when he exploded it's, for thirty points? That, that was when
1: he got thirty points and they matched him up against because Miami always plays small. They were playing um God, who's that jerk who knows karate? What's his name? James uh, Johnson? Yes, James. <laughs>
0: The UFC guy, yeah, yeah, because
1: they play him at the four, and he's like six seven, and uh, Dotson is like six six. So, pointy was finally like, oh well, I guess I can play him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's his. That's my impression. Of him. Yes. By uh, the end of the season, when I was really mad, <laughs> uh, so he finally, finally said, "Oh well, you know, I guess we don't have to play. Um, we don't have to play Kylo Quinn and." Uh, Luke Cornett against a guy who's, like, you know, really, really short. So Ooh. they played. They went uh, five out, four out, and uh, were playing Dotson at the four, and uh, he scored 30 points and grabbed, like, 11 rebounds.
0: So Yeah, it was the first Nick rookie since Patrick Ewing to do that, I believe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. and it's, it's, it's funny because if you look at rookies, I mean, this was a great rookie class, um, if you look at the rookies who um, scored 30 points, it's you know pretty legit list. It's mostly you know Lowry, Markin, and did it twice. I think um, Jason Tatum did it a few times. I don't know if Ben Simmons, he probably did, even though he can't shoot. But uh, <laughs> he Donovan uh, Mitchell, yeah. of course, Simmons probably had Donovan Mitchell games. a few times. And then you you see there was like one random guy on the Suns, like. Some G League guy, I guess, and then Damian Dotson; those were the the guys who scored uh, thirty mm-hmm. points. And you know, so it's, it was rare for a rookie. I actually kind of want to go back to see how many people had thirty points and ten rebounds. Probably not.
0: Probably not too many. Um, probably not too many. And he had well, a weird sort of mix of he showed a weird mix of abilities. I don't know. I guess what I'm one thing that I thought was interesting was he was elite. From mid-range, secretly he didn't play that much, so people didn't really notice it the same way they did with Burke. But he shot fifty-five percent on mid-range shots, yeah, which was a hundredth percentile. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know he's like small sample size theater or whatever. But yeah. um, he, he had a perc- I... he had this uh, reputation coming out of college as being a deep threat, and in his rookie season, which doesn't bother me too much, especially given how you know infrequently he was able to get into a rhythm with serious minutes but it didn't translate in his first year
1: yeah i was gonna say he actually i thought he shot better from three he um he only shot what like 32 32 and he was
0: in the mid-20s for a while actually
1: Um, yeah but that was if you if you go by month because he he finally started playing in the last month so Hmm. i bet you it's it's probably a little bit better but I think because going... he, you know, there was a time where he barely ever got into game.
0: Yes. Yeah. He, he went long stretches without playing at all. Um, getting back to, you mentioned defensive rebounding. I think part of that was um, he, he showed plus athleticism. I thought uh, like, I think like his leaping ability helped him there. Um, you saw that uh, he ran the break very well. He got out and transitioned. The team got out and transitioned more when he was on the court. And he also finished pretty well through contact. He was a, uh, and one percentage. He scored on uh, 33.3% of the shots he was fouled on, which was 86th percentile. Um, nice. Yeah. So he's fast. He can jump. He uses that athleticism um, while playing defense. I think he played nice, aggressive man defense and really got up in people's bodies on the perimeter without just being blown by. Um, and Yeah,
1: so just a. To- Over his last 15 games in March and April, that's when he really played a lot, um, he shot 37% from three. Um, Before that, he was shooting in like the 20s because from December to February, he only played in 16 games. So for three months, he played in 16 games.
0: (laughs) He very rarely played. Yeah, I mean, he's one of these guys who... I mean, like, so his scoring wasn't very efficient overall for the season. He scored 1.06 points per shot attempt, which was 39th percentile for Wings. Not the worst ever, but definitely below average. Um, Mm -hmm. But he seemed to play with a little bit of that kind of like, I don't play a lot and I'm trying to do too much jitters. Like, he was pretty amped up when he would get in there. You know, like, I, I think he can really... He's someone I think can settle down with more playing time, get into a rhythm, and improve on a lot of things that he showed that he needs improvement on. Because he definitely, you know, he fouled a little bit too much, I thought. Um, It's but I I just think I don't know. Like he just didn't get that court time that made, which makes it difficult to sort of judge him. Uh, Like and when you talk about another like knock on. When you talk about Knox on Hornacek, I think one of the things that are <laughs> that are really fair to point to were his lineups with the guys who have a chance at being part of the future. And I think it would be silly to. We're not there in practice, you know. That's the one like caveat I'll say. I don't see what's going on, and if he's showing time and time again that he can't like really hang with the guys who are getting more minutes. But that being said, he had the same. This is the same problem he saw with Frank. He had 53 possessions with Kristaps all season. I know Kristaps was hurt halfway through. But in that first half, 53 possessions with Chris Stapps. um, 38 possessions with Frank and Chris Stapps. At least he had about 500 with Frank. But, you know, like, they wouldn't... There was this lack of willingness to put these young guys together and, like, with KP for some reason. I don't know if it was, like, this trying to, you know, show him that they were serious about winning. But it, it was definitely infuriating. I mean, he... He played a lot more than fifty-three possessions, and you couldn't find a couple more for him and Kristaps to play together and see if they could do well together. I don't know, like that just bothered me. Bothered me, Joe? Did it bother you?
1: Yeah, oh, it was uh, it was terrible. I mean, it's not gonna, it's not nearly as bad as as Frank, but again, Hornets Hornacek. That's going to be the big thing next year. I mean, if 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 Fizdale turns out to be a guy who loves his veterans. It's gonna just drive me insane because um, there was they were so unathletic and they were so slow and so bad at defense and uh, Dotson was probably one of their better defenders even yeah. no matter what was happening with his shot and they just n- nope they're just like nope we're not playing him
0: um, you know so no I know it's I mean if you look at the You know, there's noise in these stats, but the defense was... If you look at their on-off, the defense was 2.5 points better per 100 with him on the court than off. That was 71st percentile, so a pretty good mark. And actually, uh, he was part of really good half-court defense lineups. The opponent's half-court sets scored 6 points less per 100 with him on the court, which is actually a 92nd percentile number. Again, not a lot of minutes, but... It felt like he was a good defender, and the team did, in fact, play better when he was on the court defensively than when he wasn't. I felt like he was someone who showed energy in the team defensive concept. I thought he stunted and recovered well. He knew when to stick a guy and then leave him and, you know, slow a guy down when he was rolling to the paint, which they always were against the Knicks horrible perimeter defenders, you know. um.
1: One thing that um, there was a couple of games where they brought him in, um, and they brought him in. Late in games, after the the, like Hornacek was embarrassed by the defensive effort, he was the guy that they would bring in, like later in games, and he would play hard. And then, as a as a fan, you would think, okay, well, obviously he earned some minutes, you know, playing hard. No, I mean,
0: (laughs) that's what was infuriating. Like it was the same thing with him with Baker. Like both of these guys would come in, and I know like Baker has limitations. I know this, but I think he's a solid like. Winning player, he does just enough. He hustles so hard. He gets deflections. He does all these like small things. Keeps the ball moving. Makes the right reads. That like he'd come in when the Knicks were playing like trash, actually be part of good lineups, help them turn it around or extend a lead in the rare instance, you know, and then not be re- get any playing time in the next game. Um, so, so,
1: yeah, uh, Dotson fell kind of prey to that. So that's it, it, you can understand why his shooting would not be
0: so great yeah. because he's a second uh, he round pick. Consistent. But, like, so, like, in theory, they don't, like, they're, they're not guaranteed a lot of minutes or whatever. But when you look at the makeup of this Knicks team, I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't have gotten a little bit more. I mean. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, part of it is just um, they have just too many guys at his position who are veterans and are just locked in by reputation. True. Um, and that's why, you know, moving forward for him, one of the big things, the biggest thing is if, if they're going to move Courtney Lee.
0: We gotta get him out of here. We gotta get him out of here for his for his sake as well as for everyone's. Like I like Courtney Lee, he's fine, but it just doesn't make sense anymore.
1: Yeah, but they have to. It'll be interesting to see if they do get a wing in the in the draft, and then they're you know they want to play him at the three, and oh no, there's Courtney Lee. So what are you gonna do? Right.
0: I mean, Um, enough. Like I like the guy. It's time to move on. But it depends what you can get for them. I guess. You don't want to just give them away for nothing, but maybe you do. <laughs> but what? This, but what this podcast presupposes is maybe you do. Maybe you do. You know, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my favorite dots and highlight of the season. I forget who it was against, and if I were a better host, I would have looked this up. However, it doesn't take away from the fact that he had one like hesitation dribble that made a guy fall over.
1: Yeah. <laughs> was that in preseason or that was, like, really
0: early in the season? I think it was early, it was really early in the season. He probably didn't play for two weeks afterwards because Horner was just, yeah. like, suck. Was like, I don't like those cheap dribble moves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he made a guy fall over and then canned a jumper like a mini James Harden, um, and it was delightful. So he flashed some off-the-dribble ability.
1: Yeah, he has an interesting mix of skills. And one thing I will say about him, like, moving forward yeah. Is one reason that I really want them to test him out next year is what you need when you're playing with Christabs is you need guards who can rebound. You need other players that can rebound because Christabs is never going to be like a dominant rebounding right. big man. Uh, but he—that's the thing. Like people are like, why doesn't he get more rebounds? Well, you know, okay, he can get more rebounds, but if you find other guys who can rebound, he doesn't have to rebound so much. He can—he can. He can Block shots and defend the paint, and uh, yeah, I mean, like I would just like to does. chip
0: in to to echo that statement by saying he can improve, and I hope that he does. But he also is asked to play this role of a lot of weak side help, and he's chasing blocks sometimes a little too much, but also by design. And when you're doing that, you're not going to be in position to get the rebound all the time, you know. Yeah, so it's
1: so people say like, oh, well, that's what Cantor's for. No, no, no not what Cantor's is
0: for. That's uh, canter is for leaving. Hopefully,
1: <laughs> you, no Cantor is for. But that's why uh, it, it it goes back to the 2012 13 Knicks. And the most frustrating thing of all time is when they were they were kicking ass for the entire regular season. And like Charles Barkley and like other morons on TV were like they play too small. They can't. I don't know why I'm doing that, Charles. That's not a Charles Barkley. Game. That was kind of Charles Barkley. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, that's better. Uh, but he kept saying they're too small; they can't rebound. And they were like, no, they were like fourth in the league in defensive rebounding percentage. They were a good defensive rebounding team. <laughs> Nobody, they just people refuse to admit. They're like, no, they can't rebound. Yeah. But look at these. No, no, they're not. They're not rebounding. Look at the numbers. No, no, they don't rebound. <laughs> so every year for for five years after that, they chased taller and taller players. And got worse and worse at rebounding. So, you know, give up on that. Find players who can rebound, not players who are tall.
0: And it is more important than ever to have guards and wings who are good rebounders. You get, you get these long yeah. caroms that are shooting out. You got, you know, um, especially if people box out, which doesn't always happen. Like, it leaves rebounds <laughs> for other people to collect. Like it's a team, rebounding is a team effort yeah. thing.
1: They were yeah they were twenty first last year in defensive rebounding with Cantor Mr Double Double so I mean it's not like they were no he only gets the type bad, of they
0: were bad rebounding team they K- Cantor only gets the type of rebounds that hurt you as a team you know the ones that well <laughs> they were you. good at
1: offensive rebounding the 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 kind, the
0: kind that's not as important yeah the kind that's not as important the more sophisticated we get in our understanding of what makes for winning basketball the kind that leaves you open to transition buckets going the opposite way against you but yeah. thanks Ennis. You got your double doubles, your precious double doubles. Back to Damian Dotson. Let's close this thing out. What grade are we giving him for this year? You got to put a letter on it.
1: Can I put an incomplete because he didn't play a lot, or yeah. do I have
0: to give? No, you can. I'm giving him a B just because, like, given what he was able, what he was allowed to do, I think he showed okay um, ability. Uh, I would have liked to see that three point percentage up, but I can't blame him too much because he couldn't get into any sort of rhythm, and that's that's super important. Even someone like. Cordette who shot a million threes, you'd see him. He like he wouldn't play frequently, and he'd he'd miss his first four, but then he'd make three of four, and his percentage would look okay at the end of the game. It's like you got to have that time to shoot well. Um, so B slash incomplete. That feels fair. Next year to close the loop on this report card. What do we expect? What do we want out of Damian Dotson?
1: Well, like I said, what I want is, I mean. I want some good, like, 20, 25 minutes a game. It depends on who they draft, actually. If they draft someone in his position, then maybe less. But if they don't draft anyone in his position, I would like him to take a lot of Courtney Lee's minutes if Courtney Lee gets traded, when Courtney Lee gets traded.
0: I think that's, Um, yeah. That makes sense to me. That's roughly, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a starter. um, But I think that's he's someone who can give you real solid backup minutes. Potentially could be like a, you know, like number seven or eight guy, like in the rotation sort of vibe. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to see him get an uptick in minutes. And like you said, depending on who they draft, maybe a little bit less, but definitely more than 10. I would say that. And actually,
1: well, one good thing would be with Fizdale, hopefully um, not being so obsessed with bigness. Yeah, there is a chance that he could get minutes at forward, which, again, I think he is, he's pretty tall for his position. He's not, like, super ripped or anything, but he, um... No, but he does have a good build, I think. He, but he he rebounds well, and he, he can defend up position, so...
0: Yeah, I agree. So, decent job, J- Damien. De- well, that was like a weird, that was a tongue twister that wasn't... Decent job, Damien. DJD. Uh... Yeah, okay. All right. Joe, where can the people find you?
1: Postingandtoasting.com.
0: That's right. Thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you. Oh, yeah. Bow, bow, doo, 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 doo. Another great sode, if I don't mind saying... With the wonderful Joe Flynn of Posting and Toasting. That's all the time we have for today. If you've got a moment, rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to the show if you have not already. Tell your friends about the sensation that is locked on Knicks if you have not already. Tell your uh, paralegals if you work in a law office. Tell the paralegals, they're they're up on the podcasts that the kids do these days. Tell them about Locked on Knicks. Follow us on Twitter, at Locked on Knicks, or NBA, injury report. Be chill to each other. Spay and neuter your pets. If it's yellow, let it bow. If it's brown, flush it right down. Always salt the pasta water. And take that, take that, take that for data. Tune in tomorrow. Actually, not tomorrow. Tune in on Thursday night. for another summer episode of Locked On Nicks. Peace.